Sorry? John. John, yes, of course, John is here. <laughs> Welcome, John. John is a visitor as well, all the way from Durban. And it's also nice just to have you here with us this morning. So welcome. Uh, I'm sorry that I kind of forgot you, but I said hi to you earlier on. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you are welcome. So if you could take your Bibles out and turn to the book of James. James 1, and we'll be looking at verse 27 this morning. James 1, verse 27. This is what it says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. In fact, let's read from verse, start off with verse 26, which says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. And then goes into verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Interesting passage of scripture, as most scripture is, now, uh, James here shows a genuine Christianity that is pure and undefiled. Instead of the formal religion that um, people are used to, that we used to, and that, that we see in the previous verse, verse 26. Pure here means something that was defiled, but now is cleansed. And religion that seeks to gain God's approbation or God's approval, religion that seeks to gain God's acceptance or God's praise is actually impure. A pure person is free from this impure admixture and thus is blameless. Pure religion Pure religion. Religion, religion, religion. Uh, we'll say that, and I know in our hearts, maybe uh, in our minds, in our hearts, we get, we cringe. We don't necessarily lack religion. Undefiled in this passage of scripture carries the further idea of a religion free from selfish, do good motives. The do gooders, religion, is for his own benefit. An undefiled religion is not stained or dirty. It is free from the deformation of selfishness and uh, it is not reduced in quality or in value. Now, as I said, we, we mentioned the word religion and um, I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, in a Christian lifestyle, 
I cringe. I, I don't want to be a religious person. But by default, we are religious. And since we are dealing with this issue of religion this morning, we need to ask ourselves, what do you think, or I need to ask you as I ask myself, what do you think that a spiritual person is really like? What, is, what are your thoughts from what you've read, from being amongst Christians, amongst religious people? What do you think a religious person is really like? What are the marks of true spirituality? What should a true religious spiritual person be like? Behave like, look like, dress like? What are your thoughts when it comes to this word religion? And as we read this uh, book of James, his answer to us about this particular subject might surprise us. See, there, there's, a, there's such a thing is a self-deceived religion, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. He says this. So I'm asking, how should we finish that sentence? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. What is this? How should we finish that sentence? In your thinking, in your head. Should we say pure religion is to pray a lot? Should we say pure religion is to go to many meetings, many formal meetings? Or should we say pure religion is to pay one's tithe, is to pay one's dues? What is pure religion? Or should we say that pure religion is to be very, very severe about sin? Very, very focused about sin. How should we have ended James's sentence in this scripture? It is possible for there to be religion which is very happy with itself and yet which is stained and defiled. We generally think of religion as being attendance at religious meetings, church meetings, church gatherings, meetings, meetings, meetings. We uh, think of, religious, um, of religion as ones who pray a lot, a whole lot. Maybe ones who fast a whole lot. Maybe ones who are reading the Word of God. They've got a Bible uh, study. You have read the, the Bible in a year. You've got programs. Is that religion? Is it true religion? Those things are good, but is it true religion? See, it is possible to be doing a lot of these good things and yet not be pleasing God at all. It is possible that we can follow the religious um, way of life that we've been brought up and understand. We're doing these things religiously. But it is possible that we, are, um, uh, we, we can be doing these things, but not actually pleasing God. James says, we can deceive our hearts. We can deceive our hearts. We can feel good about our religion and yet be 
stained and defiled by certain items of carelessness and likeness to the world, which we hardly think is sin at all. So the question I, we have to ask ourselves is what is pure and undefiled religion? What is pure and undefiled religion? In James 1 here, verse 27, the Apostle James gives us insight into what pleases God. So pure and undefiled religion is something that pleases God. It's activities that we do that would please God. Not activities that we do that please us prim- Excuse me. primarily. It's activities that we do that God has given us to do, but they are directed to pleasing Him. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Another translation says in their distress. And to keep oneself unstained or unspotted by the world. The word for undefiled is is translated faultless in another translation. Now the first thing we need to be aware of when we are interpreting any verse in the Bible, including this one in James, we should always look at its context to get an idea of what the verse means within the surrounding verses. So we need to look at the context, what it has been said before, what is going to be said afterwards. And in this case, we can look at what comes immediately before James 1.27 and get some idea of what is going on in this particular passage. Verse 26, as I read earlier, it says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. So in these final two verses of James 1, we have a contrast between what makes religion worthless and what makes religion acceptable to God. So there are two, there are two things we need to look at. Religion that we are in, is it worthless before God or is it one that God accepts and loves Here it will be good to define the word religion. By religion, James means the external evidence of inward, inward uh, quality of being something, being religious, being uh, uh, reverent, being, it's an internal work that is expressed uh, outwards. That is, Worship is expressed in ritual acts. So this, in some way, can be seen as a ritual act, us coming together as a, as a church, as a people, as a, coming to hear what I have to say or the preacher has to say. One could see that as a ritual act, but it, is it pleasing to God? Is it a worthless religious activity that we are doing? We need to ask ourselves these questions. In the worthless religion, it doesn't seem to matter what rituals or um, 
devoutly religious acts, the worshipper, you and I engage in, it is all negated or made ineffective or completely nullified by an out-of-control tongue. Out-of-control tongue. Interesting, eh? the tongue, the tongue, the tongue, tongue, this little thing that controls a whole lot of stuff has power that we can get control. A man may go through all the external motions of Christianity, yet if he tells lies or speaks unkindly or gossips or slanders or profanes God's name, then his religion is empty. Everyone around him will see it. But he himself remains self-deceived. Remember what Matthew 12.37 tells us. By your words you will be acquitted. By your words you will be condemned. I mean, we are Christians. Um, we've been serving God for a long time. And I'm sure you can remember, you can testify. You can, sometimes we look at other fellow Christians. And we think to ourselves... Man, in front of other Christians, we are very religious. We do A, we do B, we do A. And so it must be pleasing to God. But then outside of that, uh, maybe our tongues are out of control. Out of control. Yes, we're not to be judgmental. But man, the word says you will see them. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. The implied contrast in the pure and undefiled religion that pleases God is that the worshipper keeps his or her tongue under control, as per James. Keep your tongue under control. Hold your tongue. Have you ever thought of you know, you know that old expression, I'm, I'm, biting my, I'm biting my tongue? Yeah, yeah. You need to, as Christians, we need to bite our tongues. We need to keep our tongue under control. Whoever of you loves life, and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Psalm 34, 12 to 13 tells us. But James here goes beyond just the tongue control and gives example of the religious acts God is looking for. So what religious acts bring glory to God? What religious acts are acceptable in the sight of God? James addresses that. So he starts off by saying, no, no, if you got, you can be as religious as you want to be. You can be as uh, prayerful as you want to be. You can be as, you can fast as many times as you, you can be as religious as you, ought, you want to. But you need to keep your tongue under control. You need to rein your tongue in. So James speaks of that in verse 26. And then he tells us now in verse 27 um, that he gives us an example of acts that, uh, that God is looking in our lives, in our religious lives. Because we are religious, just we are religious by default. One is outward focused. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. That is outward fo focused. The other is inward focused. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world, by being 
um, polluted by the world. That is more inward focused. Holy living coupled with service to others is the key. Or as Jesus said in Mark 12, 30 to 31, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Pure and undefiled religion happens when believers take care of the less fortunate and strive for personal purity. The right kind of religious practice involves helping those who cannot help themselves and who cannot pay you back. Or as Jesus taught, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The right kind of religious practice also requires a personal commitment to growing in Christian virtues. The Apostle Paul also wrote about pure and undefiled religion. In other words, the action of those who wish to please God. Again, those who wish to please God. I'm sure we all wish to please God. So we need to find through His Word, what is it that actually brings glory to Him? What is it that we do with the life He's blessed us with that will bring Him, um, that He accepts and will bring Him glory? The actions of those who wish to please God. In uh, 1 Timothy 5.4 If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Taking care of one's family is a proper and religious practice that pleases God. Looking after widows and orphans and keeping oneself unspotted from the world are just two practical examples of what the Christian might do who desires to please God in his or her religion. James is not trying to create an exhaustive a description of what religion practice or religious practice must include. He's most likely highlighting some areas of concern among the believers to whom he was writing. But the result, pure and undefiled religion, is what believers of all generations should have as their goal. So your goal should be, yes, to remain religious, Yes, to practice those uh, religious acts uh, or rituals, as it were, that are acceptable and bring glory to God. But we need to ask ourselves, what are those acts? What are those um, religious services that bring glory to God? The idea 
of the word to visit. So he says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their troubled, um, in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. The idea of the word to visit is to oversee, is to look after. These words come from a Greek word composed of two words, over and to see. Over and to see. The idea is to oversee orphans and widows in their troubles. Take responsibility for them. The idea of unspotted is unstained. The Christian should be free from the, the censure, as it were, express severe dis- uh, disapproval of, or should be free from reproach from others of the world, free from reproach of the world. He or her testimony should never, ever be damaged. It should be pure and full of integrity. He keeps himself from compromise. The idea is not sinless perfection, but freedom from the reproof of those around us. How's your life? How's your Christian life? How's your testimony? How's your testimony? Is it bearing fruit? Is it giving God glory? Is it giving God honor? Spoke about his qualities or his attributes this morning. We sang about them. He is worthy. Is your life reflecting the fact that he is worthy? The genuine biblical acumen by way, and we see the genuine biblical acumen by the way we treat others in trouble. How do you treat the ones who are less than you? How do you really honestly treat the ones who are less than you? The ones who have uh, less than you? You see, most, unfortunately, most Christians, most of us, in many respects, exercise religion to gain God's, uh, sorry, to gain approval from others. So we exercise a religious act so we can get uh, approval from you. So you can get approval from me. I can get approval from, from the people that we see, from others, and not God, necessarily. God is our goal. He's our goal of our service. Not man. Not man. God is the one that we live for. He is the one that we are serving. He's the one who's given us life. He's given us the abilities that we have. He's given us the talents, the gifts, all those things. And so we ought to be living for Him, to be bringing glory to Him. But we end up being caught up in trying to please man, trying to be be accepted by man. (laughs) And the truth and the reality is, you and the people that you're trying to, to get uh, approval from, both of you will end up before God bowing your knee and giving him, a, a, uh, giving him glory, whether you like it or not. Those who have chosen to give him glory now and those who haven't will still bow before he, uh, the King of Kings and say that he is Lord, that he reigns. 
pure and undefiled religion is one that is found with our religious acts. But those religious acts, which are good, should be good, should be ones that are driven to please God and not man. And as you please God, in Proverbs it says, you know, please God, serve Him, and you will find favor with man. You might not find agreement with man, but that's okay, because it's not about the man that you're trying to get approbation from. It's about God, your Savior, your King, your life giver. He is the one that we are living for. He is the one that we, are, we owe our lives to. Now, you might be wondering, why? Wow, this is quite heavy. I hope it's not heavy. <laughs> Religion is a good thing if it's geared towards giving God glory. Religion is a good thing because it, it keeps, us, keeps us, you know, the river banks. The banks are there to keep the, to channel the river, to channel the water properly. Because if there are no banks and there are floods, things just go out of control. You need, and religion in the right sense is a good thing in, the, in that it keeps us uh, going the right way. But sometimes we do go to, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, a little, we sometimes hang back, maybe sometimes we run ahead. Actually, we need to be asking ourselves, and I say we need to be asking ourselves, you need to be asking yourself, what are the acts that you're busy with, and are they bringing God glory? Are they bringing God glory? Now, so um, um, it's not a heavy one. It's just a, a trying to understand what this life looks like as a, as a congregation, as a, as a family, as a church uh, together. Now, we've been going through the book of Philippians over the last year, and I, felt, I thought it would be good for us to just take a break today and look at this scripture. And the reason for that, that this scripture in particular is a key scripture for this church. It is a key scripture for this church. Now, two years ago, while I was, pre when God had given me this unction, this desire, this this thing that I need, we need to we need to come and establish a church, we need to come and plant a church, if that's the right word. We need to come and start something. Uh, and I said, a, a process, a long process. And I said yes. And then my prayer was, Lord, what? What kind of church would you like wherever you call us to go? What kind of church would Jesus want to see? What kind of church should Redemption Family Church be? And I got three points, three answers that I felt God give me. The first was this church. Redemption Family Church, even the name itself is unique in the way it came about. One day we'll share that. But the first point was, this church has to be a Bible, st strong, word-based church. Not fluffy, not just, you know, just shooting, every, a strong, biblically-based, uh, word-based church. And the reason for that is, because if the Word of God is taught to the people, us, if we learn the, from the Word of God, then we're able to actually participate in religion that pleases God. 
you can go back to the Word of God and uh, testify that what you're being taught is right. It brings glory to God. But if you're not understanding the Word of God, you're not being taught from the truth of the Word of God properly, it is difficult for people to understand. And you might be, you might be deceiving yourself without even knowing it. And that is why it's so important that we are responsible in reading the Word of God and asking the questions and trying to understand and trying to study. And that helps us because the Great Commission, of course, is, is a big thing in the, in, in the Christian world. We need to go out there and, and um, proclaim, preach the gospel of God to those who are dying, those who need salvation. But how do you, it's not just the preacher man, not just the man who has the mic. It's for all of us, all Christians, with your gifts and your talents. But how would you know that if you're not taught from the Word of God? How would you know that? So that's the first point. The second point that I felt God give me about this church, Redemption Family Church, there needs to be a family church that actively cares for orphans, widows, and the poor. As we read this, this uh, scripture this morning. And then the third point felt God give to us is that Redemption Family Church needs not be a legalistic church, needs not be a church that is under the law, but one that is free under grace. But not free under grace so that you can abuse the grace of God, but so that you can again serve God with everything He's given you, knowing that you're under His grace, you're under His love. And so in response to point number two, a family church that actively cares for orphans, widows, and the poor, we went and uh, visited, visited a, an orphanage yesterday that we've been kind of negotiating and working with. Um, and um, I must say, I, I walked out of there almost confused and overwhelmed. Because of the need. Because of the need. And in my head, I've been thinking, okay, God has said I need, we need to go and look after orphans, yes? And in my head, I've been thinking, okay, actually, we need to go and adopt an orphanage and look after them. Because adoption means that we, we take responsibility for them. We, we don't just hand out, we just, we do, and then we leave and let them be. We need to look after them and care for them. But this, as I was praying last night, I just asked God, I don't know, I'm confused because there are many orphanages that we can, we can go and, and work with. There are many we can go and work with. But I just felt this. We need to start somewhere. And starting somewhere means that we need, to, the word says in James, that we need to go and visit orphans. And as, when we visit them, we look and pray and ask God to show us what to do. And that's what we're going to do. So we will be visiting, overseeing, looking after or adopting, in inverted commas, an orphanage in close to this area. It's about 10 minutes away. It's called Princess Alice Adoption Home. We generally just want to listen to what the Word of God says. We want to care for, the, for these orphans. Now, how does this look like practically? To be honest, I don't really know. I don't know how it looks practically. But I do know this, that we've been asked, the Father's placed this on, on 
um, my heart. We need to go and look after orphans. We need to go visit them. And we need to ask him, how is it, is it going to look like? Practically, I know that it looks as, like this. As a church, we'll give our resources to them. Now, you might be asking, what is our resources? Simply this. Our time is our resource. Our gifts that God has given us, our abilities, those are resources. Our help, whatever we can help with our gifts or whatever the ability that God has given you, we will give it to them. Our finances, because you know when you touch my pocket, you touch my heart, they, they say. We will give our finances because actually at the end of the day, it's not our finances anyway. They belong to God. So where there's a need, we will give. Our spirituality, our religion that pleases God is what we will give. You want to be religious? Well, we're going to do a religion that pleases God by visiting orphans, by caring for the widows and the poor, however that looks. We will give our love, the love that God has deposited in our lives. Anything we can do to show love in action is what we will do. So it's a work in progress. Um, it's the first one. I, I do believe there will possibly be more. But how it looks like, I don't know. I just know that we need to step out. I was saying to someone yesterday, I think, even when we started this church, we didn't know how it was going to look like. A year later, look where we are. Look what God has done. What God is doing. And so our responsibility is to step out. God, you've said it. We need to go and care for your, the orphans, those who cannot help themselves. We need to oversee them. We need to give ourselves for them. We need to love them. And then we need to care for widows. Those will come. We need to care for the poor, however that looks like. So our responsibility, first step is to step out and actually do it. And then God just opens up and shows the way we're going to work, just like he did with this, the planting of this church. I, in all honesty, want to follow God as best as I know how to. And I would like us to follow God together as best as we know how to. And we will end up being in the religious default. We will be religious in inverted commas. But let those, that religion be that which pleases God, which brings glory to his name, which shows that we are thankful for how good he is to us in many ways. So that's it. A very happy birthday to Redemption Family Church. <laughs> and yeah, the, the future is bright because God has exciting plans. And I would... Um, I thank him for you guys and I thank him for the future that he has for us. Can I pray for us? Lord, thank you for your incredible faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here for a full year. Not for our glory, not for our recognition, not for, because of us, God, but for your glory. But because of who you are and what you're going to do. I thank you, Lord, for each person here. Those who are with us this morning, those who are not with us. And I pray, God, that you would continue, Father, helping us, God, to practice religion that brings glory to your name. 
You would show us areas, Lord, where we need to repent and ask you for forgiveness and help. And that we would be willing to do or change those things, God, by your help, with your help. Father, have your way with us. Bless this church. Bless the churches around us, God. Thank you for the, the, everything that you have installed into the Thank you, Lord, that this church was not planted a year ago. Or not started a year ago. This church was started before the foundations of the earth were put in place. And every activity under the sun that you have for this church, God, is under your care. So we submit it to you. And we ask you, God, to continue leading. Continue showing us, Father. We just want to be obedient. And we want to bring glory to your most holy name. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray.